Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Jay Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am very excited to have another show today. So before we start and then invite our guest, A Gift from Adversity is a book that I published in 2020. The subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. I went through all of this adversity growing up in Japan, and I published it. And after I published it, a lot of people reached out to me and shared their adversities. And I felt very compelled to create a platform where people can specifically talk about adversity and the tools that they use to overcome the adversity and then a gift that came from the adversity. And I'm very fortunate to have so many wonderful guests so far and so many wonderful guests coming up from all over the world. And today, I made I met this wonderful woman on set when I was working and she shared her adversity and I felt very compelled to invite her to our show I gave from adversity tonight. And I'm very grateful to have my new friend, Maribel Santana. Hi, Maribel. Hi, James. Thank you for being here. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for choosing me to be interviewed in this great uh, show. I'm very excited. Thank you. So, Maribel, please tell our audience your name and who, uh, what you do. Uh, okay, everybody. My name is Maribel Santana. Um, I like to be called Madi. I've been called that all my life since I was a little girl. Uh, I do uh, a lot of background acting. Uh, I've been modeling since I was 11 years old, up until the age of my 20s. Um, I'm just trying to make it. I'm just trying to make it into the movie industry, television industry. Um, I also tend to take a lot of my time outside of movie work to do other things like spend time with my family and work other odd jobs just to, you know, stay alive, just stay above water. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And then where are you originally from? Oh, good question. So I, I moved around a lot, um, but I'm originally from New York City. I was born in Manhattan, raised in Forest Hills, Queens. And then uh, my parents ended up getting divorced, which then led me to move to Boston. And I lived in Dorchester most of my life from the age of 11 and a half till now in my late 30s. And uh, it was really crazy, the change. So from coming from a place like New York to here, it was really different, um, different experiences. Uh, so much to tell you. And I know we don't have much time, but I could tell you so much more. Great. So I want to jump in to our topic, which is the adversity. So the first portion of our show is to talk about the greatest adversity. And if you feel comfortable, would you tell us, our audience, what was your adversity? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yes, I definitely feel comfortable now as I got older in time uh, to speak upon my experiences of sexual abuse. Um, I remember uh, I remembered what I wore the day that it, I had the first experience. I remember everything. Um, I was in a visiting in my family's country. My family had a habit of 
bringing us back home to Dominican Republic. That's where my family's from uh, for trips uh, about three times a year. I, I can't, I don't think I remember exactly the age, but I, I remember it was between the ages like seven and nine when I had my first experience. Um, it was from a family member. Uh, I have no problem saying it. It was my maternal's, uh, my mother's father, grandfather. Um, I remember that uh, it's a funny story. I mean, the part of it is funny. Now, obviously what happened to me, um, I was on a hammock in my family's country called Jarabacoa um, in their little pueblo. It was really cute. Um, but then uh, my grandfather bought me a hammock. I, I complained and I said, I want a hammock so bad. And then he bought this hammock and he was going to put in between these two trees, one of the most beautiful trees in my family's lot. And I ended up getting, I ended up laying up on, laying on the hammock and I ended up getting attacked by fire ants, um, which was really crazy how that happened just in a matter of seconds, I was getting attacked by these ants. And then he gave me a different type of embrace that I didn't experience um, from him uh, when I was, I don't remember, I think I was too young to remember. But all I know is that that was the start of the continuous years of sexual abuse by him. And um, I remember another episode that I had when I was like 11 years old, I. I was heading to the bathroom and uh, he ripped off my towel in the process of me getting to the bathroom and I fell in the tub and he um, sexually abused me in the process of me falling. And uh, my grandmother uh, was, I screamed for my life. And then my grandmother appeared to save my life, my savior, my bestest friend. I was able to talk to her about any and everything. May she rest in peace. She's no longer with us for several years. Um, but um, there was numerous episodes throughout my years. It wasn't consistent. It wasn't like how every people, I've heard stories where people have endured it every day of their lives, which is extremely unfortunate. Um, but mine was consistently throughout the ages, nine, 10, 11, 12. And it continued on until I was about uh, 15 years old. But at that time, from the gap of middle school to high school, I was going through a lot of emotional stress. I, I developed an excessive amount of anxiety. Um, I had problems making friends. Uh, even trying to be in a relationship was an issue. Um, it really made some sort of damage to my overall personality when I was naturally a very happy-go-lucky human being. Um, but it made me feel depressed. I wasn't really happy with myself uh, overall, which it really shouldn't do that. But at this, at the point of my life, at that point in my life, the abuse was so uh, draining that I just was disgusted with myself where it led to me having um, thoughts of taking my own life. Um, I felt like I just wanted it to end I didn't want to no longer experience um, the pain that I was enduring. And I spoke to people about it and, and people of my family that I felt comfortable enough to tell them so they could help me. And they didn't. So I just felt like it was the end. Like I have no help. I have no hope. But even if I said something to the police or if I said something, it will destroy my family. You know, it's not something in my family you talk about uh, comfortably, like, oh yeah, this is what's happening to me. You don't just talk about these things. Um, 
but I didn't have a lot of support at the time. So I was really enduring a lot of pain and suffering mentally, emotionally, spiritually, especially spiritually. Um, my family would take me to church in hopes that, you know, I would, whatever they thought I was going through a phase like, Oh, she's just, um, being rebellious. She's not respecting. I wasn't really, I'm not saying I didn't respect my mother, but I, there were times where I was very mouthy, had a lot to say. So my mood definitely changed when I was in that situation. Um, and it came down to the point where, um, um, I, um, wow, I can't believe I'm about to say this in front of you guys. There was, I felt like I was at my final stretch of the pain and suffering where I wanted to end his life. I felt like, okay, if I just put a little poison in his food, it's, it's going to end it all. And I won't have to suffer anymore. I will never have to endure this pain and suffer, suffering. You know what I mean? Um, and no one else will have to suffer because I wasn't the only victim. I've heard from other family members. Um, I don't feel comfortable talk, telling me, telling their names or anything like that. Um, but I've had a cousin that witnessed him trying to sexually molest me, rape me, basically. And she saved my life in that situation. And uh, she told me he tried that on me one time. And I and and um, she's like, you just really need to find the strength to protect yourself. But that man was even though even though he was an older man, he had the strength of a of an ox. It's it, I, I was very skinny and frail. I was weighing like 75 pounds wet. So it was hard for me to defend myself from him. Um, but overall, uh, my 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 love for film and television and acting and modeling from that your little age of 11 was slowly diminishing because of this abuse. It really stopped me from really focusing on my craft because um, I was too busy focused on that. Um, finally, uh, where I had relief and I felt like I was able to save myself from any more turmoil, um, he had went on a trip when I was 15 back to his, to his country to take care of some stuff and he never came back. So I'm thinking, okay, what do you mean? Like he never came back. So I found out that he had passed on. He died over there. He ended up getting really sick. He left very healthy, but ended up getting a brain hemorrhage and died. I mean, I don't want to say karma, but it's just really sad that, you know, the year of abuse that he's put on upon on other victims, God knows who else, um, now ended with his demise in a deathbed. Um, and uh, when my mother was uh, extremely saddened by the death of her father, her, her at one point was her first love. This man built his home, raised 16 children, 14 children, to be honest, for my grandmother, uh, and built her home out of his bare hands. Uh, he was like a hero to people. He was heroic. But then um, when that happened, my mother was uh, sad, miserable. She's packing all our stuff and she's like, let's go, we're leaving. We're taking a flight to Dominican Republic. Um, your grandfather just died. And I told her, I am so happy. I mean, now as an adult, I feel bad that I said that, but I was so happy to get that news because I was saying, I'm finally free. I'm sorry. 
<clears throat> I felt free again. I finally could be myself. I finally can breathe. But the the goal to self was not overnight. It took time. It took years. It took therapy. It took everything to get back to normal. And dating was tough. Everything was tough for me. But I was very happy for the news. And she was uh, obviously utterly disgusted with me. But I... I had to I had to tell her. I had to be honest with her. I was like, Mom, I was in pain. You know that. You don't want to know it, but I was. He was not a good man. And I'm sorry to say this. I understand he was your father, but he was not a good person. He was evil. And and it was destroying me. I don't know if you noticed, you know. So uh, it's not something you, I really didn't have the best relationship with her. You know, I, I love my mother to death. She gave me life. She gave me everything. She raised two daughters on her own when my father wasn't around. But I have to be quite honest. It really, that experience really changed my overall view of life, men in general, everything. Um, but it took time, Jerry. Um, it took time. Like, it took a lot of good support systems. I built really good friendships along the way with people and they helped me get through it. Speaking about it more and more, especially with you, helped me get through it. It helped me get my story out there to let people know that you're not alone. I know what it feels like, you know? I've helped people with my story. I've helped them, uh, they're contemplating to suicide, um, that it's not the final resort, even though I was there. I was in their space at one point in my life. But um, I try to tell them like, hey, it's not the end. There's so much more out there for you. You know, we live in a cruel world right now, but you got to make the best of it for what for what it is and for with what you have. And I'm extremely grateful that I didn't turn out worse. You know, where who knows where I would be right now if um, I didn't have the self-control that I have, if I didn't have the support system that I had. So um, but from that experience, I, it gave me a lot of hope for my future. Um, and again, in building relationships and friendships, my hope for new things to happen. Uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Um, and I so, found that yeah. I found, uh, acting to be my outlet, you know, in the film industry and, and, and my modeling, it, it helped me forget about my troubles, helped me right. do the things that I love. So we got to pause this. First of all, I just want to thank you for sharing this experience and, as horrible as it was and i'm very very sorry that happened to you it's unfortunately way too common and the problem is that people feel ashamed to talk about it and that's wrong in my book a gift from adversity there's a message section um chapter seven where i have three breakdown two victim two perpetrator to the family around the victims and for the two perpetrator or to the victim, I always tell that obviously it's never your fault. And if for two perpetrator, they should be muted, not us. They should be ashamed, not us. And as you shared your story, I was having so much flashback of my own sexual abuse from my father, where I didn't tell you, but he, he forced me to take a bath and he forced me to touch his testicles 
and then convinced me that it's very soft and it's very nice. And that's in my book. And, you know, those things stays with you. And, you know, all the things that you have to endure with the words, you just stated a lot of things that is very, very, very traumatic. If something happened, even one thing that you just mentioned happened to somebody that can mess people's brain up for the rest of their lives. And I'm 45, I'm still suffering mm-hmm. with the PTSD and trauma and the panic attacks and stuff because there were not so much talk about it and the help my mom didn't believe me and I ended up doing the same thing I tried to kill myself when I was 15 I was found but anyways um you know I think it's just so crazy that regardless of gender the sexual abuse there's some um, hard data happens maybe like 70 80 percent by somebody that you trust that you know of and also there's a hard data that when you confine your mother about the sexual abuse that happened between um, mothers, sexual partner, or maybe the father in the case, that eighty percent of eighty percent of them do not believe it, deny it. My mom, um, maybe your mom, I don't know. It's just so yeah, she didn't believe it. Yeah, she it was crazy. She said I needed help. I was homeless I was I got kicked out when I was 18 and you know I think the mental health these days are getting more developed especially me too movement people start to believe us but before there was no platform nobody believed us and then nobody believed those things can happen in between the family members you know what the hell like you know how how in the world that can happen in between the family members but those are the things that we need to normalize the conversation and then we need to prevent there's a darkness to light which i have to do the training in the town of foxborough there was a man uh, who actually died but he molested sexually abused over hundreds of boys in oh. the 80s and then so nobody came forward because he had a credential so now um recently our town Foxborough implemented this bill to train all the employees that they have to do darkness to light training to identify the sexual abuse. And it, they have a child sex abuse awareness committee and they are trying to pass this bill to house because a lot of town that occurred reached out to our town. How did you do that? And then within the 90 days of an employee, if they don't do this training, they are not welcome to our building and then public school system so that's really crazy incident that led to this bill but and in the committee and i've been to their meetings how to prevent and i've done the darkness to light training by the way if people are listening darkness two is number two light you can pay like 25 dollars and then get the certificate and then that gave me a lot of empowerment as well so i want to shift this um conversation to the tools that you have used to overcome this sexual abuse and then trauma. Because my show, I wanted to do this show because there are so many, uh, so many of us who went through adversity and there's so many resources nowadays, obviously YouTube and then, you know, a lot of people, books and stuff. But I want to hear from the real people who went through unfortunately, adversity, that what kind of tangible tools that they used to overcome the adversity that can maybe save somebody's lives? Uh, Good question. Um, So 
I think once I once I finally uh, when everything ended and stuff, I try to find ways where I can not just help myself but help others along the way. Um, I definitely met up with people that I grew up with that had experienced the same things that I've, I've experienced. Um, and they said to me that they never felt comfortable enough to talk about it until they found out how many people were just like them, were experiencing the same sexual abuse as I did. Um, I didn't mention a lot of details earlier, but you and I can relate with a lot of the experiences about the, the sexual abuse. Like it even got very grim, very, very grossly, uh, something that a child should never experience. You know, I've have experienced it as well. And I just, I just wanted to tell people, I, I spread the awareness, like, listen, I like, I've been there. Let's get together. Let's talk about it. And let's try to help each other out. Um, again, I've tried therapy numerous times. I don't know how many psychiatrists and therapists I've met throughout the life since I was like 10 and older, but, um, I really didn't, um, it never really worked for me. I felt like, how should I say it? It's sad. Blocking it out, out of my head and focusing and giving, keeping myself busy is what really helped me to see life in a different perspective. Like I really put forth the effort to always constantly stay busy and focus on my film work, my acting, my television, uh, the modeling, um, spending more time with my family, the, the people that I know that loved me and supported me. And then I started feeling comfortable telling them because a lot of my family members didn't really know what was happening um, with me and him. They just know that I, they just know me as the disrespectful daughter who was rude to him. And it wasn't that. It's just that I was forced to be in a space with a person that was my attacker. And I didn't want to have nothing to do with that. You know, so one day I, I sat at the table as a grown woman in my late, mid, late 20s, uh, early 30s. I was going through a divorce and stuff like that. Again, like, I, like I said, I, all of that stems from my past. Um, I sat down with my aunt, uh, one, two of my aunts and my mother, and I was like, hey, listen, I really want to have a conversation with you guys because I've never had the time or nor the or the place to be able to do it. But I feel like since we're here and I love you guys, you're my favorite aunts, I want you to know because they were talking about him so freely talking about my, my issues and what I've been through and what, why my behavior was what it was helped me get through it. And it helped me rebuild my friendships and my relationships with my own family members. They finally understood, you know, maybe they didn't want to listen to me because they thought I was a kid and I didn't know any better, but as an adult, they definitely were listening and they know that it's very common for family members to sexually abuse their own family members. Um, it's not new news. It's been going on for centuries, decades, forever. Um, but I know for a fact that uh, when I sat down with them, they were in shock and felt extremely bad for me. So now they put two and two together and like realized what you're doing by you talking about it with us helped us understand it more. Now we understand you better. And now we know that you're not crazy. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. You were just going through a lot and we feel terrible that we weren't there to support you or see that something was wrong. And they were very forgiving of that. They were very forgiving. My mother was very forgiving. She felt, she feels till this day, she feels terrible, even though in the beginning she, she was confused, but she was a victim herself. You know, she went through it. 
she know what it was like, you know, I'm glad it never went as far as it did with me to her. But, uh, but I was the, the, the main victim. I was the one that, that endured it all for everyone. And um, it's very unfortunate, but, but fortunately it came out to be, it turned out to be something good because now my friendships and my relationships are greater, bigger, uh, people understand me better and they love me and they support me and they have my back. Um, the film industry is great way of, of dispersing your mind into a different place from all this negativity because you meet so many people just like yourself. I think the building of friendships outside of what you usually are friends with um, and telling and telling each other these stories and experiences. It's incredible how many how many people I've met in this industry where they were just like me. I've been through stuff like me, you know. Um, I'm very grateful for the tools that was given to me. Um, I'm, I, I wish I had, I wish I could tell you that I went through programs and stuff like that, but that wasn't really attainable for me. For some reason, it wasn't something talked about in school a lot. You know, sex education was rarely talked about. So um, I wish there was, I wish I had that, I had that in, at hand, like how you were experiencing it back in your city where you live. I wish I had that. Um, because then it'll open the it'll open the doors to other opportunities for other women to open up and be free, not just women, men as well. You know, I'm just really grateful that some some tools that worked for me kind of worked for me pretty good. The only the only reason why I cry here and there is because it's like I forgot about it, and then when I think about it, I start I get emotional about it. This little girl was once this happy go lucky girl, and then someone want to ruin her shine, you know, and it just it kind of brings a tear to my eye. You know, that I'm grateful that I'm alive and nothing worse happened to me. He's even threatened my life if I even talked about it, you know. Um, so it's very tough. But now I feel great. I feel comfortable. I feel open. I feel hopeful um, that I could help others with my situation. So I I can't thank you enough for coming to my show and talk about um, sexual abuse because this is one of the topics that I've suffered throughout my life and then I never knew that I could write a book about it and I never knew that I can do the show like this to advocate for other people and give language to it right so when I was going through all the hell and I didn't even know what PTSD was I didn't even know you know why I was having panic attack and hey. I was having like so much low self-esteem However, so many people told me, you're beautiful, you look stunning. I never felt that way at all. And to be honest with you, it takes so much um, brain wiring that new tools that came to me, logically, I understand. But when you get into the stage of panic attack, you just zone in and just, you know, can't think about anything else other than when you are getting molested. I just want to share something with you, Maribel, since you shared so much with me. It's not in my book, Again From Adversity. Um, so what happened was I was doing counseling like you. And then um, I used to uh, put my finger in, and then throw up before the therapy all the time to ground myself and to feel the pain. And also my insisted that I should ask my sister if she was also a victim and then she said yes then um i flew to japan and i finally uh sat down with my mom and my sister and then 
um, had a meeting, like you had a meeting with uh, Pac with when you when you grew up. So I was in like maybe like early thirties or stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, "You all, we are daughters, the same, saying the same thing. Like, you know, why do you not believe us?" Finally, she called my dad, and then she confronted him. And all he said to her was, "Because you left me," which is not true because he was physically abusing her. Because you left me and jury me, I started to look like you. So she started to look like you. That's why I sexually abused her. Well, like, no bad word. That's why I did what I did. Because I needed my sexual, like, knees or whatever. So no apology. Very narcissistic and very sick. And, you know, I think a lot of times that perpetrator has authority. Especially, like, you know, in Japan. Like, you know, women supposed to be submissive. And then men supposed to be superior. And when you have, um, like, father or authority figure, even teacher or whatever, they abuse, they power trip. And then, you know, take advantage of your, you know, situation and then do these things. And then there's no protection. And then I was manipulated uh, by my dad that uh, he went to school and then basically told I was a traitor and I was a bad girl. And oh then God. I was scolded by the teachers. And that I felt no escape um, because people were brainwashed by him. So he kind of created this persona of me being really rebel- rebellious. Like you said, it's just so bad. And I just don't want any children to go through this. And I don't want anybody to go through this. And then when they were unfortunately sexually abused, they need advocacy, they need help, and they need services that's there for them, and then justice should be served. Most definitely. Um, I definitely wanted him to be arrested. I definitely wanted him to to do time for his crime, not just for myself, but for everyone else. Um, I definitely agree with you 100%. It's, it's, it's very sad that how, like you said, how powerful these these people are to us, and to others, how their words can really mask the truth. He made it look like I was the one with the issues, you know, as well as my family saw that, just like your dad did, and made you look really bad. And that is very unfortunate. It's not fair. We were children. We we're mere children. We didn't know any better. Um, and, and, and people want to say, oh, they call it daddy syndrome or something like that. It, it's like... No, we're not seeking. I I saw my grandfather at a young age as a hero. I loved him so much before the abuse started. Um, I really looked up to him. The guy was a very hardworking, dedicated man who loved his family, obviously raised children and built things. And I just really looked up to him. He was a great person until what happened. But when he had threatened my life as a preteen and told me, he was even jealous of me being around other male friends. He would see me outside in front of the, across the street. He would make a huge stink about it. He'll come outside and attack. He'll get, he'll come towards us because my mom was working at the time that he'll come towards us and say, Hey, time to get him inside. I'm like, what are you talking about? I still have time for me to go inside. I'm here with my friends. Mom said, you know how it is. When the streetlights come on, it's time for you to get inside. I don't need to go back inside. I'm fine. I'm here. We're having fun. Stop bothering us. And he would get really aggressive and grab me up. And then I have no choice but to go inside. 
made me look like a damn fool in front of my neighbors who were friends of mine. Um, his behavior was atrocious. And he will tell me, if I ever see you with another one of those kids again or anybody, I'm going to kill you. You know, you're making me feel very uncomfortable and I don't like it. You know, and I'm like, I am your granddaughter. You're a freak. <laughs> you're a crazy person. What are you doing? Like, let me live my life. And this is me at 11 and a half, you know. Um, but he made me look like a damn fool. But I am, I, as I got older, I started standing up for myself, you know. The, 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 the occurrences of a sexual abuse happened very minimal because I started feeling more comfortable be like, hey, I'm not going to stay here. I brought your food because I was forced to bring his food, you know, and they don't understanding and not putting two and two together. Why is she like this? Why are you? And I keep telling you, I, I kept telling them, I don't want to go see him. That's your grandfather. I don't want to see him. I keep I keep telling them why, because I told you why, but you don't believe me. So it doesn't matter. I don't want to see him, you know. At this point, I was very grateful that um, that finally they woke up and they believe me. I, I'm happy that people believe me and understand my pain and suffering. And I don't make it my life, but I'm I'll, I'll, I I'm not I'm not gonna forget. You know, um, I'm not gonna forget what happened. It's gonna be instilled in me for a long time. And now, God forbid. I mean, if I ever were to have children someday. Uh, I'm going to be extra overprotective of any man that comes near my kids, you know? So um, my guard is up all the time, but I am a very strong woman. I am stronger than I ever was. And I will never, that was the last time I ever had any type of abuse occur in my life. Um, when you were mentioning about your uh, situation where you were trying to force yourself to throw up, um, that really is something that was triggered from your past, from your situation, it made you feel disgusting and gross and you just wasn't happy with yourself. And I know what that felt like. It was horrible. I was not happy with myself. And then it got to a time, I got to a point in my life that I was like, oh, if I needed to seek attention from guys that I'm interested in, I need to look a certain way or dress a certain way. I felt like it was really messing with my actual personal identity. My identity was leaving the window. <laughs> it was because I was trying to do things to stay still loved and still some sort of form of attention or respect, but it's because I was going through so much where I didn't get the attention that I deserved as a child or, 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 or because of what I was going through or the separation anxiety from my parents. You know, my father was my hero. When I told him what I was going through, I never told him anything until I was like 14 years old. He wanted to, he just wanted to go come to Boston and hurt him. <laughs> You know, he was going to take a drive and, and and put him in his place and send him and bring him directly to jail. My father was adamant that he was going to do it. So, um, but I am extremely grateful that my support system has grown and that, you know, I took something out of this and I turned it into something good. You know, I just talk about it and I, not saying I want to move on from it and forget about it, but I just, I know there's more to life. There's more there out there for me. You know, I can't make this my life. My experience that occurred in my life cannot determine what my destiny will be. I cannot continue being invested in this. I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it to help others and to help myself get become a better human being and just spread the awareness and let people know that they're not by themselves. I'm so grateful that you came to the gift from adversity today 
and shared your soul, about your story, and just very, very grateful. So I just want to share with you and an audience that I saw this uh, TED talk about Elizabeth Smart, who was abducted um, and rescued. And when she got out of the torture and then abduction and like situation, her mother said to her, I know what happened in the past nine months, you can never replace and it was awful. But from now on, do not give the perpetrators any second of your life. Yes. Do not give them power. Yes, absolutely. Because you already lost nine months. I don't want you to lose any second giving the power to the perpetrators. And that to me was so powerful because the event happens when I was like eight to 13 and then that happened to you. But as a trauma victim, it just feels like it's happening right now when the panic mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how brain works. But how can we together, you and I, even just between us, like how can we not give our precious time on this earth to this awful perpetrators? How can we do that and then move on and not give your day to a depression or horrible thoughts about yourself and waste your day? And I've done it so many times. I think I wasted like 20 years of my life, chunk of my life, doing that to myself. Tell me about it. Wow. That's extremely powerful, Jerry, to hear what you've been through and how much it's, even though it's different, it's still the same and it's still relatable. You know, it, we all can relate. Um, I have a crazy story. Um, so I was a guest speaker for a woman who got out of the prison to empower them. And I shared my story and then I said I was homeless. And then some of the women who are like colored minority they just said to me, oh, I didn't know Asian people go through that. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, if I'm Asian, I don't go through that. Yes. But, <laughs> but the point is, though, it doesn't matter where you are. These kind of things happen everywhere, unfortunately. And then you just have to, I don't know, accept it and then move forward. And mm -hmm. like yourself, like you said, you just have to find a good group of people and support system who trust you and believe in you and share. Absolutely. And I'm very grateful for that. I'm extremely grateful. If it wasn't for them, I would be lost. I would be, who knows what I would be again. Um, I'm just extremely grateful meeting you, hearing your story made me feel even more uh, comfortable and happier to hear that, yes, again, I am not alone. I keep meeting people along the path of this journey uh, and of my life. And I meet people and I hear their versions of their stories. And it just makes me feel good to be there to just be their support system. Not only were these people were my support system when I was going through it, now I'm over here being someone else's, which it, it's like, it's a it's like a domino effect. We're always going to be spreading the word, spreading awareness back over and over again. They did it for me. I'm doing it for them. And they're going to do it for somebody else to help themselves. And 
And the more we get ourselves involved and more open to talk about this freely, openly, the better this world could be for victims like ourselves. I, I strongly believe that. There is, again, there is hope. There is light at the end of everything. Um, but people just need to, I think people just need to find that inner fire in them and just feel open to say something. Because I wish I had that flame inside of me, but my flame was not there when I was young. I was battered emotionally. And if I had that flame, he'd be in jail. He would have died in jail, you know, because I want, I always want justice for the pain and suffering that I endured. And, and not just for myself, but for other people, other victims that I know. Um, but their jail was death. You know, for some of these people, the people, the perpetrators ended up dying or being killed. Uh, so um, just, justice was served, but not in the way that I wanted it to be. So I'm okay with it because at the end of the day, I'm no longer suffering. I no longer have to be a victim. Now my job is to make sure that I tell my story out there and I let people know that I'm there for them. I love you all. I'm very loving. I'm a very affectionate person. And I want people to know that I love them, genuinely love them. And I, and whatever they need, a ear, I'm here. And I want them to know that if they ever need anything, I'm going to be there to, to support them. You know, whatever protests I have to be, march, any type of bill that needs to be signed or whatever, I want to be there to support those people. Because the more, the merrier, the better we can actually get this taken care of and done. And there needs to be justice. There needs to be something done. I mean, this cannot continue. You can't just let this ride. Especially when I heard about what happened with the with the churches, you know, and the priests. And that just, like you said, it was like PTSD all over again. I, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to these poor children. This is a very sad situation. And I went to church all the time, you know, and I looked up to these things and it's, it made you see things in a different light, you know, and it's not just the churches. And again, it's not just women, men and women, trans. It doesn't matter. Gay it doesn't matter. Everyone is some sort of victim of sexual abuse of some way, shape or form. And it doesn't matter. But if we don't stick together and we don't support one another, we're just going to fall. We're just going to fall and we're never going to be able to get back up. You just got to be open and honest and, and just let it out. Let people hear it. If we don't do it, we're going to sink. This is a, this will be a sinking ship and we're never going to get back to to be able to do what we need to do in life. You have goals. I have goals in order to fulfill them. We have to make sure we get rid of the negative and just shoot for the positive. Don't um, there's a saying that my mom used to say to me in Spanish "Es pa'lante que atrás no hay nada. So forward because there's nothing behind you. So the, and the more forward you push, the more of the negative that is behind you will stay behind. That's the only way you can survive. And I've always been that type of person. I can't continue to sink and be digging the same hole over and over again. No way. I don't want to reopen these wounds. These wounds are healing and they're, they're taking a long time to heal. I don't need to reopen them, but I'm not going to sit here and not talk about it because I want people to know, you know, people should know. Don't keep it a secret. Just say it. Just to share with you and in our audience, I have the coolest story about becoming a journalist. When I was given a journalist job, I was never, I never studied journalism. I never expected to be a journalist, which I have been for the past two and a half years. 
I've written over 400 articles, which including human trafficking issues or sexual assault victims. And I've done mental health issues. Like and I, I've advocated for a lot of people and it gave me so much empowerment. And I, I just wanted to tell you that when I got my job, all I said, I had no expectation that I was going to get the job. But somebody, uh, the reporter, recommended me to meet the manager at the San Chronicle. And it was the coolest thing because I told the manager, Thank you so much for covering this Catholic priest story from the uh, spotlight, the movie, the uh, Hollywood movie, Rachel McAdams starred in it. But that's the four journalists who discovered and then shed a light to the sexual abuse that's happening. And that movie to me was the ultimate empowerment of journalism. And then I said, thank you for being a journalist and speaking the truth despite of the pressure from the mass media so I said that, I laid out the truth, and I said how important it is to be a journalist. Then I got the job. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and then because I think they saw me that I don't bend the truth, and I'm not afraid to tell the story, just like you. You should not be afraid. You should be empowered. And Even if you are a victim of sexual abuse, you should never be afraid to tell and you should be saved you should have advocacy you should have the support you're not crazy that person was crazy perpetrator <laughs> was wrong it's not you and then they manipulate your brain like like you said right like they just trick you that you are the one who's crazy and that's so wrong so you have to rewire your brain it takes time so i just can't thank you enough for sharing this story, resonating with me. However, we grew up in different countries and different time. This is unfortunately universal language, sexual abuse, that we should not feel ever ashamed to talk about it and then normalize the conversation. Therefore, we can prevent it and then we can see the signs. So my last question is, what is the gift that came from your adversity? I learned to, hmm, I think I learned to love myself again. I learned to, I found myself. I found my true self that was hidden for so many years. I learned to, to appreciate the person that I am because for so long I hated myself and I was disgusted and I was embarrassed. And I, I felt like I was invisible to people um, I just wasn't proud. I didn't feel proud. I didn't, I feel like I, my family made me feel like I was a failure, you know, because I made so many mistakes along the way from this trauma. But once I really felt the comfort, the comfort to speak about it, I just built, I just earned this power, this sense of power, this sense of, I don't know how to explain it. I felt like the I feel like the vice president. <laughs> I felt like this powerful woman is finally coming out of her old cocoon that she was entrapping herself in. And now I became this beautiful human being, this butterfly. And now I could be free and open to talk about it with anybody and not feel bad about it. I don't feel bad at all. Now I, I feel like the gift was that it made me become a stronger woman. I could stand up for myself. I have the right to be open and free with my words and, and not be ashamed of my past. And the gift was that I'm helping others along the way. 
with the gift of the fact that I now found my true self and now I love myself more than I ever have before. You know, I'm, 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 the, another gift is that I'm alive again. I feel alive. I felt like I was dead. You know, I'm now living. I'm happy that I didn't take my own life. I'm grateful for that because I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have experienced all the, all the wonderful work I've done with my acting and, and stuff. And I wouldn't have experienced beautiful nieces and nephews and you know, the love that I, unconditional love that I gained from that, from my sister bearing these beautiful children. And now I get to experience what love really is, even though they're not my own. I, I, now I can love again. I can love myself and I can love again and feel comfortable doing it and not feel strange about it. Well, thank you. That is just so powerful. I can't thank you enough. I'm speechless and you're beautiful and you are very, very loving person and you are a very supportive person and don't ever change that and just uh, focus. Let's keep winning and let's keep doing uh, what we supposed to do on this earth. Of course. And don't let these people give power. You're right. Mess our lives. No, of course not. We have people that depend on people like us. So we can't fail. <laughs> One last thing, I have a request for you. I know you speak Spanish. So my friend Carlos came to my show and he spoke something in Spanish to oh. the Spanish audience. So would you mind to tell some empowering word for some audience who might speak Spanish and then maybe can resonate to their heart? Oh, of course, most definitely. Um, uh, para todos los víctimas que han tuvo la experiencia de sufrir las cosas que yo ha sufrido eh, siempre tengan en su corazón entienden que hay luz hay libertad hay felicidad eh, no crea que esto es tu, tu final que hay siempre más grande para adelante en tu futuro cojan lo negativo y conviértelo en algo positivo para tú poder llegar al lugar de lo que tú deseas para tu vida, para tu futuro, que sea de trabajo, de televisión, de familiar, lo que sea. Um, nunca crea que este es el final. Esto no es el final. Thank you so much for sharing that. Muchas gracias. Nada. Just let me know that, you know, whatever it is that you got to do, just be strong and just Make sure that you say it and you move forward. You move forward and don't stop and don't end it. It's not the end. Well, unfortunately, as a fellow survivor of sexual abuse, I cry with you and I feel your pain. Thank you. Thank you. I, we appreciate your friendship. Thank you. I'm always here for you. Appreciate you. Absolutely. And thank you so much again for coming to my show tonight. I really, really it was amazing conversation for me as well. And thank you uh, for sharing with our audience. Absolutely. You're welcome, Jureen. Thank you for having me again. Uh, and I hope this helps for anyone out there that needs the help that they need. All right. So good night, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And I have a lot of guests coming in to a gift from adversity from all over the world. I'm so grateful and I look forward to the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.